This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this evening. I want to look at a passage that was personal to the Apostle Paul as he did God's work. Uh, God, Paul called Paul to a specific ministry of church planting and uh, evangelizing the, the areas around him and writing parts of the Bible. And, and uh, he faced some obstacles as he did God's work. But he realized it was a privilege to serve the Lord. And he learned to depend on God's help as he did God's work. Each one of us as Christians is called by the Lord to do something for Him. And whether it's a full-time vocational calling or to be a full-time Christian, faithful, uh, to live for God here where, wherever God has put you, every one of us can do something to reach someone else. But as we do God's work, we need God's help. And we clearly see that in this chapter. Uh, let's start reading here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Let's open with a word of prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word now, I pray that you would use this uh, passage to both challenge us to do something for you and also encourage us that you help us as we try to do your work. Bless us this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing we see in this passage is that we must recognize our ministry. Recognize our ministry. Notice again in verse number one, it says, We have this ministry. Now, Paul, as he writes this, he had a ministry as an apostle and a church planter, but God has given every Christian some kind of ministry that all of us can do to serve the Lord. The word ministry means to serve, to serve God, to serve others, to do something. And God has a purpose, God has a ministry of some kind that every Christian can do for the Lord. Now, that will look different for each one of us. Uh, God has given every Christian unique abilities to use for the Lord as we serve Him. Some people may be gifted to teach or preach. Others may be gifted musically. Some are gifted to organize things. Some are gifted to uh, build things. Some are gifted to have a special ministry of prayer or to relate really well with others. And whatever it is, none of those things are necessarily more important or less important than the others because anything we do for the Lord can be a ministry. Um, Jesus said uh, even a cup of cold water given in the name of Christ. That's a simple thing that we can do to serve someone else, to, to serve the Lord. And anything you do to serve the Lord is a ministry. Each one of us should use the time, the abilities, the resources, the opportunities that we have to serve the Lord and serve others. The ministry that we have, it began when we trusted Christ as our Savior, but it doesn't have to stop. The ministry that we have can continue for a lifetime by the mercy of God. 
Notice again verse number one. Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. God gives us his mercy to help us keep going as we serve him. Whatever ministry that God has given to each one of us, it comes with a divine enabling. And that is the mercy of God. Now, what we are able to do for God and what God has us doing may change as we go through our life. But we don't have to faint. We don't have to lose heart. We don't have to give up and stop serving God and serving others because we can depend on God's mercy. Ministering and serving God should not be viewed as a burden, but we should see it as a privilege, as a blessing. We get to serve the King of Kings. We get to serve the Lord of Lords. We get to point people to Christ. And we need to have a positive attitude towards serving the Lord. It's not just a burden, it's a blessing. Each one of us needs to consider this question. How can I use my abilities to serve the Lord? How can I use my time to serve the Lord? How can I use my resources to serve the Lord? How can I use my life to serve the Lord? God has a purpose for each one of us. We need to find that purpose, that ministry, that thing we can do for God. And we need to depend on God's mercy and help to do His work. If we're going to be involved in doing something for God, we must first of all recognize our ministry because we can all have a ministry of some kind. A second thing we see here is that we must reveal our message. Reveal our message. We know that we should serve the Lord. So how, how do we serve God? There are many different ways, but in this text we find perhaps the most important way of serving God, and that is to reveal the message of the gospel. We must take the word of God and hold it up before our lost and dying world. In verse number two, there are two ways that we can reveal the message. It's through telling people the gospel, and it's also through living out the gospel in our daily life. Notice verse number two. It says, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. So saying we should not take the scriptures and twist it to make it say what we want it to say. The implication is that we must be careful to speak the gospel truthfully. There are many methods, I, I guess you could say, for that the different people use for trying to tell people about Christ. They're not all necessarily biblical. We've got to be careful to handle the word of God carefully. And there's so many other verses in the Bible that we could uh, go to that talk about how we communicate the gospel, how we share the gospel with people. But we reveal the message by how we speak. We also reveal it by how we live. Notice the end of the verse. It says, but by manifestation or showing of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The way that we live our life is a demonstration of what we believe. It's a demonstration of the truth. Our testimony of Christian living reveals the message of the gospel to people around us. Or our testimony of not living for God covers up the message of the gospel to people around us. We need to be a living example of Jesus Christ. Paul's testimony was uh, one of living for God and his life matched up with what he said in, in Acts chapter 26, Paul said this, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. In other words, he was careful about how he lived. He worked at having a good testimony. 
we ought to do the same. We need to be conscious of our testimony. We must not only speak the truth, but we must live out the truth in our daily life. Both of those things are necessary if we are going to reveal the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. If there's no difference between the way that we live as a Christian and the way that an unsaved person lives, an unsaved person will see no reason why they should listen when we try to tell them about Christ. What we say we believe will not matter to them if we are living inconsistently with the Word of God. Um, you know, it's, it's been said that sometimes unsaved people seem to know more about how to live for God than some Christians seem to know. It shouldn't be that way, should it? We ought to be a shining example of Jesus Christ in the way that we live, the way we talk, the way we act. That is necessary if we're going to reveal the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. It's often been said that your life might be the only Bible an unsaved person will ever read. Your words may be the only witness for Christ they will ever hear. Your life might be the only example of Christ they will ever see. People can come to Christ based on our testimony, or they can be pushed away from Christ based on a lack of testimony. Our life every day can make a difference one way or the other. We've got to be so careful to, to reveal the message of the gospel by how we speak and by how we, how we live. In the next few verses, we find why we need to do that, why we need to reveal the gospel. It's because if we do nothing, the gospel is hidden from those who need it the most. Look at verse number three. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If we do nothing with the gospel, it's hidden from the lost. People who do not know Christ are not going to hear about him by watching the evening news or a football game. People who do not know Christ must hear about Christ from someone whose life has been transformed by the gospel. That's you. That's me. That's Christians around the world. And if we do nothing with the gospel that God has given to us, it's hidden from the lost. Notice also verse number four. In whom, in lost people, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world. The devil has great influence over the hearts and minds of lost people. He blinds them, it says, or distracts them from the truth. He tries to keep people in the darkness. And he does this, the verse says, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Satan does not want people to see the light. Jesus is the light of the world. But Satan tries to keep people from seeing Christ. There are many different ways he could do that. Satan might use a person who mocks God and distracts someone from the gospel. He could use skeptical thinking to blind their mind to the truth. He could use an addiction to deaden their senses. In Newfoundland, there's huge problems with that. Satan could use prosperity to make a person think, I've got everything I need. I don't need God. He could use a, a self-sufficient attitude uh, to, to make someone think, I can get to heaven on my own. I'm, I'm better than so-and-so. He could use business or pleasure or philosophy or pride or any number of things to keep people away from Jesus Christ. He blinds people to the truth. He does not want people to see Jesus. Satan also does not want you and I to do anything with the gospel. That's why he tries to get Christians discouraged, defeated, distracted, 
so that we are useless for the cause of Christ. He does not want people to hear about salvation. That is why we must recognize a ministry. We can do something for God. That is why we must reveal the message and make sure the gospel is not hidden. We must represent Jesus Christ to the world. If we fail to do that, the gospel is hidden. People continue to be deceived and they will spend eternity in the lake of fire if we do nothing with the gospel. We must make sure by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we act, that we are a living reflection of Jesus Christ. Can other people see Christ in you? Can they see him in me? Do they see a difference in our life? Or is the gospel hidden? Verse number five changes the topic slightly and it, it uh, talks about how we can tell people about the gospel. Verse number five says, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Notice it says, We preach not ourselves. We shouldn't try to promote ourselves. It's not about us. It's about Christ. Um, we don't serve the Lord to gain attention from other people. Look at how spiritual I am because of what I do for God. That's not what it's about. It says we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. So that brings the question, does your life promote Jesus Christ? Or does it take attention away from Christ and put it on self or on something else? Do our words, do our actions point people to Christ? That should be the goal. Verse 5 says, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul was demonstrating his heart for service. He was willing to serve other people as he served the Lord. Serving others advances the cause of Christ. Um, serving others for Jesus' sake is a way to serve the Lord. When we use the abilities and the talents that we have to serve other people, we do it for Jesus' sake. That is, the, that, that is a way to demonstrate God's love to other people. Ministry and serving God is all about Jesus. It's all about others. It's not about us. Notice in verse 5 it says, We do these things for Jesus' sake. That's the motivation. That's the driving force behind serving God. That's why we serve others. You know, Jesus did some things for our sake. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That verse simply speaks of how Jesus left everything he had in heaven to come down to this earth, to, to become like us, to die for us. It was for our sake, so that we could come to heaven one day. What can we do for his sake? To show our gratitude for his love. We can serve God. We can serve others. We can find a ministry, some way that we can do something for the Lord. We can reveal the message of the gospel. We should do those things for His sake. Notice also verse number 6. It says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who created the world shined the light of the gospel into your heart and into mine when we heard about Christ. And when we trusted Christ as our Savior, He gave us a responsibility to take that same light that He gave to us and reflect it, share it with someone else in this dark world. We must recognize our ministry, reveal our message to a world that needs Christ. 
last uh, fall, I got a phone call from a, a lady in our church in Newfoundland, and she said, my brother uh, is retiring. He's lived in Ontario for 30 years, worked there. He's moving back to Newfoundland. Uh, he drove all the way across Canada from Ontario, crossed the ferry onto the island, and his car blew up <laughs> and uh, completely destroyed. And uh, uh, he needs help. Is there anything you can do to help him? I said, where is he? Well, he's in Cornerbrook. Well, Cornerbrook is about eight hours away from where we live. And so I, there's a missionary in Cornerbrook. I called him, and they, 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 had, they were in quarantine because they had COVID at the time, so he couldn't help. So I hung up the phone. I prayed about it for a couple of minutes, and I, and I had so much to do that day. I didn't even have enough time to finish what I needed to do myself, but I believe that the Lord wanted me to go help this man. And so it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I jumped in my old truck that I have there and headed across the island, got there about 10 o'clock at night, slept a couple hours, uh, got up early, met the man uh, and his wife, and they had their vehicle packed to the ceiling. So we stuffed all that in my truck and hitched up their little trailer onto my truck and started driving back eight hours across the island to get back in time for Wednesday night for our kids' ministry. And, uh, you know, the whole way going there, I was thinking, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't know why God wants me to do this. But on the way back, I realized why he wanted me to do it. Amen. I had a captive audience for eight hours. And so I, talk, I began to talk to Fred and his wife. And um, he, he had a testimony of salvation. He had trusted Christ many years before at a Salvation Army church there in Newfoundland. But he'd been living away from the Lord for many years. And, and, uh, but I was able to talk to him about spiritual things for quite a while, and his wife, I don't think, is saved, but she was sitting in the back and listening to the whole thing. And uh, we got back to, to Carboneer, where we live, um, just in time to, to go home and grab a bite to eat and then run to church for our kids' program. And I said to Fred, before I dropped, when I dropped him off, I said, Fred, I would really like to see you come to church. And he said, I'll, I'll be there, I'll be there. And uh, Sunday rolled around, never showed up. Next Sunday rolled around, never showed up. And uh, that went on for about three or four months. And finally, right before Christmas this past year, uh, we had started the service. I think I was doing announcements or something. And in walks Fred through the door. And uh, I was so excited to see him. The reason I tell you that story is because God can use each one of us to do something to show God's love to someone else. Even if it's an unexpected thing. Oftentimes we think about ministry, oh, that's what pastor does in the pulpit. That's what, uh, that's what the Sunday school teacher does. But we can do things for God, for other people, that touch their life and, and show them the love of Christ. And it doesn't have to be standing up and preaching a message. It can be anything. We just have to be available and allow God to use us to do those, do those things. We need to recognize that we can have a ministry. We need to reveal the message of the gospel those things are so important. But as we do those things, number three, we must rely on God's mercy. Rely on God's mercy. We need God's mercy to enable us as we preach the message. We need God's mercy to help us as we do the ministry, whatever that is, that God has given to us. Notice again in verse number one. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. If we are going to faithfully serve God and do something with the gospel, we need God's help to do those things. We can't do it on our own. 
We can't even live the Christian life successfully on our own. We cannot do spiritual things successfully without God's help. And so God gives us his mercy. He gives us his grace, his strength, his help, the Holy Spirit to, to help us do his work. God's mercy helps us to keep going even when it's difficult at times to serve him. Uh, when the ministry that God has given to us is hard, we need God's mercy to not quit, not faint, as the verse says. When people don't want to listen to the message, we need God's mercy to keep sharing it anyway. God's grace and mercy gives us the ability to keep on serving Him. It's only the grace and the enablement of the Holy Spirit in us that we can serve God and serve others. It's not always easy, is it? Um, it's not always easy to serve God and serve others when, when we've had a super difficult, busy week. We don't always feel like serving God and serving others when we're facing some kind of difficult situation in our personal life. But we can be faithful in spite of those things if we are depending on the mercy of God. We have received mercy, it says, so we faint not. The rest of this chapter talks about how Paul did that. Paul served the Lord for a lifetime right up to the end because of God's mercy. We're just going to quickly read a few more verses. Look at verse number 7. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have the treasure of the gospel. We are the earthen vessel, an imperfect, flawed person. But when we let God use us to take the gospel to others, to serve others, His power, the excellency of His power can be seen through us by making ourselves available to God. Notice verse number 8, it starts talking about the difficulties Paul faced. We are troubled on every side. You ever felt like that? Problems all around you? Troubled on every side, but notice what it says, not distressed. It says we are perplexed. We don't know what to do, but we're not in despair because we can trust God to help us know what to do. Verse, 10, or verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken, because God promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. In Paul's experience, he endured a lot of problems as he did God's work. But God's mercy kept him going through all of it. The message of the gospel had to be preached. The work of the ministry had to be completed. And it was God's mercy that carried him through. How did Paul learn to rely on God's mercy? Skip down to verse number 16. It says, for, our, uh, for which cause we faint not. Now we've heard that before back in verse number 1. We faint not, it says. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What is the cause in verse 16 for which we don't faint? The cause is the gospel. The cause is the glory of God, as it says at the end of verse number 15. That is the cause for which we don't faint. We don't lose heart. We don't throw in the towel because God has something for us to do. Paul did not faint and lose heart. It wasn't because of his determination to do something. It was because he was depending on God's mercy to help carry him through those difficulties. He said, our outward man perish. The difficulties Paul faced were major problems. Um, if you and I faced some of the things that we read about Paul facing in his ministry, we would not, we would not 
uh, call them a light affliction, as it says in verse 17. We'll get there in just a moment. The, the, the problems that he faced were causing him physical difficulty, emotional pain, mental distress. They took their toll on him, but he refused to lose heart. The middle of the verse says, even though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What was it that did the renewing? It was the mercy of God, the help of God, the grace of God. Paul learned to live by faith one day at a time. Every day might have brought a new persecution, a new challenge, a new difficulty, but every day also brought a new supply of God's grace, a new supply of God's mercy, a new supply of God's help. He learned to draw his strength from the indwelling Holy Spirit. As he fulfilled the ministry God gave him, he relied on God's mercy. As he preached the message of the gospel, he relied on God's mercy. God's mercies are new every morning, the Bible says. Great is thy faithfulness. Paul learned that by experience. Paul could wait on the Lord and his strength was renewed like the eagle. He could sing in the middle of the night when he was bound in prison because of God's mercy. He could get back up and keep preaching after being mobbed because of God's mercy. He could keep going from place to place preaching the gospel after angry crowds ran him out of town because of God's mercy. He could deal with the daily problems that he faced and not lose heart and not faint because of God's mercy. You know, that's the same way that you and I can face the circumstances of life today and not faint, not give up, not lose heart because of God's mercy. That's the same way that you and I can serve God and serve others and take the message of the gospel to people who need it and not lose heart, not give up, not faint because of the mercy of God. Because the inward man can be renewed day by day. Paul learned to depend on the mercy and the help of God. Yes, the difficulties were still there as he served the Lord, but he learned to focus on God instead of focusing on the problems. Notice his spiritual viewpoint in verse number 17. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at the contrast. The problems were a light affliction. We wouldn't call them a light affliction if they happened to us. Those problems worked against him, but he said they're but for a moment. In comparison to eternity, those problems are just temporary. If you were to take a scale and put the weight of our light afflictions on one side of a scale, and as the end of verse number 17 says, the exceeding eternal weight of glory, put that on the other side of the scale, there's just no comparison, is there? When we learn to measure our problems in comparison to eternity, the problems fade into insignificance. That's how we can look at life when our inner man is renewed by the mercy of God. That's how we can keep going for the Lord because of His mercy. Verse number 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul learned to stop looking at the temporary, earthly, physical difficulties. He knew they were just for a time, but the glories of heaven were for eternity. And he learned to look beyond the problems and look at the Lord who is above the problems. A few verses later in chapter 5 and verse number 7, Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, if Paul had been trying to figure out how to get out of the persecution and the problems that he faced, he would have been walking by sight instead of by faith. But he depended on the mercy of God. He looked to the Lord and he learned to walk by faith instead of walking by sight. 
Paul could continue in a lifetime of ministry because of God's mercy. He could keep preaching the message because of God's mercy. You know, the day and age in which we live is no friend to Christianity. Canada is probably 10 years ahead of the United States in being progressive. Um, you look around at our world today, and the only conclusion we can come to is that time must be short. Jesus must be coming soon. But until he comes, we have something to do for the Lord. There are more than 8 billion people alive in our world today. I can't even understand a number that big. <laughs> 8 billion people. And they need to hear the gospel. Some of them live right here in your town. Some of them live in my town in Carbonier, Newfoundland. If we are going to do something to help reach them, if we're going to do something to help reach even one person, we must recognize our ministry. God has something that we can do to serve God, to serve others. The whole world needs the gospel, and we ought to be looking for what we can do every day to touch the people's lives around us uh, and minister to them and serve God and serve others. As we do that, we must reveal the message of the gospel. We have the best news in the world that Jesus saves. We've got to do something with it. But as we do the ministry and as we share the message, we have to rely on God's mercy. We can't do His work on our own. If we try, we faint, as the verse said. We grow faint and give up. But we need to be renewed, strengthened, enabled by the mercy of God. Um, Paul said his outward man felt like it was perishing, but he would not faint because of God's mercy. He wouldn't lose heart because of God's mercy. I can tell you there have been many times in the last seven years on the mission field when we felt worn down and exhausted and faint perhaps, but what helps us to keep going for the Lord is not just our determination to do something for God. What helps us to keep going is God's mercy, God's strength, God's help, God's word, the Holy Spirit, the encouragement. And uh, God promises to be an unfailing resource of power to those who trust him. We just have to learn to trust him. Maybe today you realize there's something more that you can do to serve God. No matter what stage you may be in life, God has something you can do for him, something you can do for others to show God's love. Maybe God has called you to serve him full time, and that is great. But whatever God's calling is on your life specifically, God has something for every one of us to do for him. God has a message for every one of us to share with others. Maybe you've been serving the Lord and you've grown weary in well-doing, and that happens. But we have to learn to rely on God's mercy because it renews us. He gives us his help and his grace and his strength. Maybe you have a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a family member. The gospel's been hidden to them, and you're not sure how to share God's love with them. Rely on God's mercy. Ask him to help you because he will give you the courage to talk to them. To give you the, the, the wisdom to, to what to say. And God can help us as we try to share Christ with others. But we have to make ourselves available and allow him to use us. God's mercy is what helps us to do God's work. And we have to learn to depend upon his help, his mercy, and his grace. Let's close in a word of prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this great chapter in scripture that gives us both a challenge to do something for you and the encouragement to carry it out. And Lord, we know that you've given the great commission to, to, to us and to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, 
is such a huge, unimaginable task and responsibility that we, we can't really, we, there's no way we can do it on our own, but Lord, you didn't give us that and then tell us to figure it out on our own and leave us to do it by ourselves. You gave us your mercy. You gave us your Holy Spirit and your help and your word to, to enable us and to strengthen us and help us to do your work. Lord, I pray you'd help each, each of us to be encouraged no matter where we are in life that we can all do something to serve you, something to serve others. We can find a way to show your love and share your love with others. But Lord, as we do those things, help us to remember to rely on your mercy because we cannot do your work in our own strength. I pray you bless us now as we close. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.